0: Still a harrowing situation in Maui. Governor used a local term when he effectively said, when we're walking through, in particular, this one town, but where the wildfires swept through, we are walking on bones. And um, they expect to find many, many more. People were up to 99 um, casualties that have been recorded so far. The list itself of the missing has been coming down, which is great news. And it's due to some factors we were talking about yesterday on the show, which is sometimes two different people report the same person missing, but they give a different age. So they wonder, okay, maybe those are two different, whatever. And sometimes people were like, no, I wasn't even there. But this is a horrible tragedy and the devastation is incredible. And the horror of the situation, as people describe it, of trying to get out of the way of those flames. Chris and Jesse Watkins are from Kingston. They were in Maui. They're back home now. He is a police sergeant. She is a doctor. And uh, they join us now. It's it's nice to have you. And I think one of the things people find so awful about this situation, Chris and Jesse, is... You know, you were there on vacation. Everything was perfectly normal. There were no sirens. Nobody got a text warning. There were no police running through the streets. And all of a sudden, you're running for your lives.
1: And you're right. Everything was, it was actually an amazing vacation. We were enjoying ourselves so much. We had two days. uh, The Sunday and the Monday were phenomenal. We just kept saying, we're going to come back here every year. This is the best place on earth. This is our place. So it was it was just paradise and a perfect vacation up until Tuesday morning.
0: Chris, can you give us a feel for how this all came undone? I mean, was did it start with a, almost a spidey sense, or how did you know that something terrible was about to happen?
2: Well, kind of, actually. So the power had gone out in the early hours of the morning while we were sleeping, and there was just very little information available to us about when the power... Uh, might be restored. And as the day got a little bit longer and the wind didn't seem to be dying down, it was getting worse. Jess and I had decided to to get into the car to see if we could go and, and get something, you know, a hot coffee or something to eat that was warm because everything was, we didn't have any way to cook anything. So we got in the car and I started to look around at the amount of damage to the poles, the hydro poles and and, and there were so many of them damaged, I said to Jess, we're not gonna have power here for about a week. So at that point we made the decision to to return to the condo and and pack ourselves up for a day or two and, and go someplace on the island that had power. And it was as we were trying to leave town that the that the trouble started for us.
0: Well, and if I can continue with you, Chris, for a second, one of the descriptions I've read is that, you know, the, you just wanted to get out of the line of fire and you couldn't. I mean, it was uh, people were bumper to bumper. It was an absolute mess.
2: It, it was. And so what had happened was we had gone from the from our condo to try and go south towards Kihei and Wailea, which had power, we, we had learned. And we couldn't get beyond basically the the borders of Lahaina, because the roads were all closed. And we couldn't go any further to the south. We turned around and tried to go back north again towards where the condo was. And that's when we got cut off by the fire. So we couldn't go north. We couldn't go south. And we found ourselves uh, in a situation where because of the traffic and the fact that there's only a couple of roads in and out, and they were just absolutely clogged. And, I mean, we were driving we were driving a car we couldn't go off-roading and and things like that so so we were stuck it was it was quite scary for a few minutes
0: jesse were you afraid
1: yes there was a a sense i think for me of the realization of every side road that we kept driving down thinking this will get us to highway 30 this one's the one every single one we'd have hope and then we it would be blocked even a road I thought would be open, we would turn around the corner and it was closed. So th- that's when I think we started to panic because I know there's only one road in and one road out at that point. And they were both, they were block- it was blocked in both directions.
0: Okay, and I don't wanna to be too panic prone, but Jesse, again, uh, I mean, was there a point where you thought we might not even get out of this?
1: Yeah, that's, that's I when we were on Front Street, I managed to get a bar of service and I texted my, my parents and my sisters and I said, this is bad. I love you guys. And uh, then we lost service. And then we able Chris was able to get us up to a little bit of an elevation so he could see the direction of the fires path because we were so engulfed in smoke. You couldn't tell which way it was coming towards you. You didn't know if you were going into it or going away. So at that point we got another bar of service and that's when we called Carter to possibly say goodbye. That's your son yeah
0: chris you're a police officer and i know you're probably reluctant to be critical of emergency responders but do you feel that you were well served in all of this
2: i think that the stark reality john is that the first responders uh, the men and women that were on the ground were doing the very best that they could in the circumstances and i think that if there's criticism to be leveled i think that criticism is better uh level at levels well above those first responders um, if there was a failure to plan or a failure to act, it, it wasn't with those people in the police cars and the fire trucks and the ambulances that were working just to save people's lives and we saw some remarkable work done by those first responders absolutely remarkable. And uh, you won't, you won't hear me, you won't hear me complain about the first responders.
0: Can I ask you, Jesse? How a lot of people, just when they're coming home from a trip, not because they've practically lost their lives, but a lot of people are very excited to see the tail of a an Air Canada plane. Uh, how did it feel mm-hmm. to get out?
1: Uh, elated. It was. We again, there wasn't very much information being communicated. Even when we did end up getting, we eventually made it to Wailea about five hours after, and we we got Wi-Fi and we were still just... We didn't know even if planes were leaving. We didn't know if we could get out. And then, of course, as you've seen photos at the airport, we didn't know how crazy it would be at the airport, so we showed up very early, and as we sat waiting anxiously to see if this plane would arrive, flight after flight ahead of us was cancelled, 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 cancelled. And we were just sitting there like, just please, please let that Air Canada flight arrive. And when it arrived, everyone just went and people were clapping to get on a plane out of Hawaii. Like it was just sheer gratitude. And I cannot say enough about how amazing your Canada was. They they made sure every single seat on that 787 was filled. We didn't leave, we, we left the gate 30 minutes late to make sure every single person who had the opportunity to get a seat on that plane was on a plane.
0: Chris, can I ask you, do you have any desire to go back?
2: I, th- I think that's a tough question to answer at, at the moment John I think you know it's it was as Jesse described it was our place we had been as a family in 2015 uh, we'd always talked about returning and the pandemic delayed that but I don't know at this moment I don't know whether I I could actually be comfortable knowing what we've seen and and uh knowing that you're sort of cut off and I mean as we're as we're sitting and trying to find flights, you become so acutely aware that you are on an island in the middle of the ocean, and you're trapped. You are trapped, and when there's fire everywhere, you know you're, that that is even more. Uh, you become even more acutely aware of that. So, mm-hmm. I, I don't know that I can answer the question. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to be able to say yes, I could 100% go back, but I don't know that I can at this moment.
0: Thank you both. You've both been very generous in in your thoughts on all of this. I appreciate it. That is Chris and Jesse Watkins. They live in Kingston, and they managed to escape Maui. And, of course, you know, it's one thing to be a tourist in a place where everything goes to hell. It's another to be, um, you know, families that have had uh, lost loved ones and massive property losses. And basically an entire tourist district that is... You know, whenever you go to um, a smaller place, there will be this beautiful place where you can go for an amble and sit down for a coffee or a drink or a lunch and drop into art galleries and stuff like that. That's gone. It's been completely destroyed.